Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. From the broadcast to the podcast, it is your man DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? Yes, yes, y'all. Tell a friend, tell a friend that we are online. We are back with another pod. This is Cool Radio. Once again, it's your man DM Cool, and we have a lot to get into on today's edition of Cool Radio. We got to talk about Nipsey Hussle, Ashanti, and DJ Khaled all receiving stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So we're going to get in on that. Um, Meg The Stallion says that Thought shit, her one of her singles is about taking the power back from the word. So we're gonna get on that as well. And then also Kim Kardashian revealed some details of as to why her relationship with Kanye did not survive. So we'll get in on that as well and a few other things in between. But before we get to all of that, you already know how I do with this stuff. I got some things to get off of my chest. So on that note. It is time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, you guys already know, I'm on my nerd shit. I love me some uh, nerd movies of that variety, comic books, whatever the case may be. And with that being said, there has been some news that has been reported. And it's uh, tentative news, I would say, because there's a lot of details that are still being uncovered and and discovered and what have you. So I will just basically report on what I have seen and then we can pontificate on this. So with regards to Black Panther 2, the sequel, which is now officially titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever, fitting title, uh, they have revealed that the new villain of Black Panther will be Namor the Submariner. Now, this is something that I have been fantasizing about for like the last two or three years just because i've read the issues that namor has been in with regards to black panther and just with the avengers in general and man he needs to be in the movie so i'll I'll get on that stuff later but um they're also revealing that with regards to um namor the submariner being in the new black panther movie they also revealed that there will be a new actor that will play that role or that will allegedly play that role. Let me just be clear. That will allegedly play that role because this is where the rumor stuff starts coming into play. Um, So they've revealed that. And I'm actually trying to get the name of the actor right now. Uh, But basically the actor who is allegedly in line to play Namor the Submariner. um, His name is very hard to pronounce. Uh, But basically one of the actors is from uh, the show Narcos Mexico. And he was one of the, yeah, I guess he was a villain there, but that show's a very great show when it comes to, you know, heroes and villains and who's a good guy, who's a bad guy and all that stuff. But nonetheless, this actor that I'm referring to, and I'm still trying to find the name of the actor right now or the alleged actor, but nonetheless, this person is... Ah, there we go. Got the name. Got the name. So the name of the act, the alleged actor, I should say, um, is Tenoch Huerta. So again, this gentleman was in the series Narcos Mexico. I can't remember the name of his character, but yeah, he was in Narcos Mexico. I've seen the actor before in that series as well. He was really good in that show, actually. And I'm curious to see what direction they go. Um, if he is, in fact, due to play Namor the Submariner. But again, this is all... It's it's not completely confirmed. This is just kind of like, you know, he could be playing Namor the Submariner, but he's also going to be in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So we don't know if he's going to be playing Namor the Submariner, but it is confirmed that this actor 
once again, Tenoch Huerta will be in Black Panther 2 as a villain. So I think people are just kind of putting two and two together. But it wouldn't be the first time that we've had multiple villains within a single uh, Marvel film. Especially if we're talking about like a sing- like a, a singular title film. For example, in the first Black Panther, you had, uh, what's his name? Uh, Claw. You had Claw in there as a villain, but then you also had Killmonger in there as a villain as well. In Captain America Civil War, you had Baron Zemo, but then you also had Crossbones. So the list goes on and on and on. But, you know, going back to, you know, Namor, what have you, it's interesting that if this actor does, in fact, play Namor the Submariner, um, it's going to be interesting because of the fact that Namor has always been portrayed as either somebody who's white or Asian, depending on how you look at him. Because in the in the comics, like he does kind of look like a white guy, but his eyes are also somewhat slanted as well. So a lot of people were would assume that the, the actor who would portray Namor would be either a white person or an Asian person. So the fact that they're getting somebody who is Hispanic is very interesting. So if that is the case, if it does um, get proven or confirmed that Huerta will be playing the role of Namor, then they'll probably change up his origin story to a certain extent and possibly have him um, be born with some sort of Mayan or Aztec heritage of some sort. So that'll be interesting to see if that's the route that they intend on going. But nonetheless, going back to Namor, once again, just the character itself, um, I was very excited knowing that Namor would be in the Black Panther sequel because of the fact that, like I alluded to before, he's got he's got history with Wakanda, but he has specific history with T'Challa. Like, if we're talking about comic book rivalries, at the very least, their rivalry is within the top 20, not just within Marvel, but just in comic books, period. Like, they hate each other, but there's so many parallels between the two. For example, they're both rulers of their, of their respective nations. Their both respective nations are arguably the two most advanced nations in the world. And they've kept, and number three, they've kept their nations hidden from the outside world because of all their technological advances and what have you. Main difference between the three of them, or between the two of them rather, is the fact that where T'Challa wants to open up Wakanda to the rest of the world and, and allow other people to share his resources to help the world, Namor wants to keep his world uh, secret so that he may find a time to possibly invade the surface because he doesn't like how the surface handles things. And when I'm talking about the surface, Namor's from the mythical city of, At- of Atlantis, which is below the ground, which is underwater, essentially. So he's basically Marvel's version of Aquaman. That's the best way to put it. But he's a bit of a dick. That alone is an understatement. So their rivalry is intense. Um, there have been times in the comics where... Namor invaded Wakanda and and damn near flooded it. And then in retaliation, T'Challa sent some troops over into Atlantis and shot up everybody. And then in retaliation, and this is how much of a hater that that Namor is, as in retaliation, this all took place during the Infinity Saga within the comic books. And one of one of um T'Challa not T'Challa's, one of Thanos Thanos, one of Thanos's goons came over to Atlantis and wanted to confront Namor about where one of the Infinity Gems were, were, were being hidden. And Namor lied and said that it was being hidden in Wakanda. Now, it wasn't being hidden in Atlantis, but it wasn't being hidden in Wakanda either. But he knew that that, that, that goon was going to go over to Wakanda and lay waste. So he lied to them and said, yeah, it's in Wakanda. Go get it. That guy's a hater. And what happened? Thanos' goons came to Wakanda for a second time because the first time they got they 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 sent them packing because they knew they were coming. But the second time was a surprise. And they laid waste to everybody, and Shuri got compromised for it as well. So that left a strain between T'Challa and the Wakandan people because he felt like he didn't they felt like that he didn't do enough. So, anyways, that's just my little comic book history and background into that character and what have you. But even though I'm kind of happy that Namor is now going to be in Black Panther 2, but not just Black Panther 2, but also within the MCU because of the fact that this now gives us another clue as to when we can expect mutants because he is technically the first ever mutant in Marvel history. It's also a little bittersweet. 
And it's bittersweet because of the fact that we will not have T'Challa in the sequel. Because Marvel, unfortunately, does not want to recast T'Challa. Which, and I'll still be saying this until whenever. But it is a huge mistake and a huge letdown and a disservice to comic book fans everywhere. And I can't help but notice that there are certain racial undertones that that go with this decision to not recast T'Challa. Now, a couple of months ago, I had my man, uh, Emmanuel Noizet of Emmanuel's Movie Reviews on Cool Radio discussing this, uh, as well as his petition for the recast champagne, or sorry, recast T'Challa campaign. And he went, on, he went over a lot of key points. And if you want to listen to all those points, I do have the interview up right now. Um, but just the bare bones of it, when you have an iconic character like a T'Challa, it is customary and, it is, and it's a regular practice to have that character recasted as the years and the generations go on because of the fact that you want that character's legacy to live on. By not recasting that character, you are jeopardizing their legacy. And maybe some people will say, oh, well, they'll just reboot Black Panther eventually. They're not going to do that anytime soon because the way the MCU works is that they tell multiple stories of multiple characters. There's just not enough time to reboot the character. And if that happens, it's going to happen 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And I'm sorry, but I'm not trying to wait another 30 years for another black lead superhero. That's bullshit. Like, I should get one right now. Matter of fact, not just one, but I should get multiple right now. We shouldn't, we as black people or as comic book fans, whether black or non black, shouldn't have to wait once in every generation to get a lead superhero who is a, who is a visible minority. I'm sorry, but like, we've had how many white superheroes uh, be recasted? Heroes or villains? Superman, Batman, the Joker, Spider Man, the list goes on and on and on. Hell, the next Spider-Man movie that we're going to get is going to have all three, all three actors who played Spider-Man within the last 20 years. And you're telling me that we can't get one, one person to recast T'Challa because it's seen as disrespectful to Chadwick Boseman, which I, I don't even know when that even became a thing. And, you know, I kind of blame cancel culture for this. And I feel like cancel culture and, you know, racial undertones are really coming together in this because... I remember when that movie was coming out and I'm talking about Black Panther and I'm not going to say any names, but I noticed a checklist of people and I'll be honest, mostly white people who were kind of upset that Black Panther was getting so much hype because whenever another Marvel movie was coming out, of course, it wasn't met with as much hype as Black Panther. But I think it's because of that, that they are questioning Black Panther you know, before and after the movie came out. And they used to say, you know, they used to, you know, add in a little, uh, they used to say things that, that, that would trigger microaggressions. They would say stuff like, oh, why is everyone talking about Black Panther so much? Oh, it's so overrated. Oh, it's so hyped up. Oh, I, I just don't get the appeal of it. But you never heard that type of jargon for any of the Marvel movies or any other fan movie like a Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, or Harry Potter, or anything like that. But when it came to Black Panther, of a, a clear, visible minority, certain people were like, oh, why is everyone making such a big deal out of it? It's just this guy. Oh, my God. Sorry, but <laughs> when I hear stuff like that, especially from people who claim to be Marvel fans and who have seen every single movie, but then they conveniently decided to skip Black Panther when it came to theaters and just jumped straight into Infinity War, that lets me know something. That lets me know something immediately right off the bat. And then it's the same people who are saying, you know what? There, there shouldn't be anyone to recast T'Challa. Let's, let's be respectful of the man, et cetera, et cetera. No, that's not. See, that right there is a, a clear example of virtue signaling because you're using the ruse of you know, honoring the, the legacy of Chadwick Boseman as a way of saying, Let's concoct black erasure. And I'm not trying to be on my hotep shit right now or anything like that, but this is a clear example of black erasure. Because when's the last time that we saw a white superhero create as much buzz as T'Challa, the Black Panther, did? 
as this movie was coming out, even after the fact that the movie was coming out. When was the last time we saw that kind of hype? When was the last time we saw people buying out movie theaters in their local communities so that everyone could go and see this movie? When was the last time we saw that for any white superhero character? I can't think of that. All that stuff that happened around Black Panther is the first in my lifetime that I've ever heard of that. Sure, I've heard of theaters being packed and what have you, but to buy out theaters for people to go see this movie for free? Haven't seen that before, but Black Panther did that. Black Panther sparked a movement. It was a cultural change. It was a shift. It disproved a lot of things, and it sold a shit ton of money in the process and was critically acclaimed. It was the first ever superhero movie to be nominated for an Oscar. It was the first superhero movie to have seven nominations at the Oscars. And it cleaned up house at the Golden Globe Awards, at, at any award show that you can think of that, that is giving out awards for movies and television. Like, it cleaned up. It did a tour. It did the, global, did the Golden Globe Awards. It did MTV Video Awards. It cleaned house. And then, to its respect, it did pretty well at the Oscars as well. Should have won Best Picture, but I'll leave that alone for now. But yeah, to me, this is Black Erasure. This is definitely Black Erasure. The fact that you know people are campaigning, that there's some people out there who are campaigning for the for the character not to be recast, and I think it's just because of the fact that they don't want to see another black superhero, you know, shake up the system the way the first one did. Simple as that. And then there are people out there saying, well, they can just give the title to Shuri. She can be the Black Panther. That way, you'll still have a black person being being king or being a ruler and a hero. But this time, it'll just be a woman. Well, it's true that Shuri was a Black Panther and the Queen of Wakanda in the comics. But that took years. It took years for that to happen. You can't do that in one movie, especially if we're talking about the MCU, who likes to use long format storytelling. So you got to keep that into consideration as well. And hey, here's a crazy thought. You know, a lot of people like to use the, oh, it was in the comics. So let's do that excuse. You know what else was in the comics? The fact that both T'Challa and Shuri were both Black Panther at the same time. Let me repeat that. T'Challa and Shuri were both Black Panther at the same time. Shuri was the queen of Wakanda and then... T'Challa was the king of the dead. He was the king of the necropolis. So if you want to use that whole, well, it was in the comics, so you should do an excuse. Well, then don't just take out a certain part of that argument and use it for your argument. No, say the whole damn thing. Don't use it when it's best convenience for your own narrative. Say the whole goddamn thing. I mean, call me crazy. But we can both have two Black Panthers in one movie at the same time, especially if we're about to have three Spider-Men in one movie at the same goddamn time. So all this talk about, you know, substituting one black actor for another one. I'm not with it. I'm sorry. I'm not here for it. And it almost sounds like, you know. Again, some of these white people out here saying, well, you had your fun, guys. You had your fun. Now it's back to being the sidekick or back to being an ensemble character. No, I'm not here for that. The majority of the vast majority of MCU has been led by by mostly white guys. A lot of them being named Chris, apparently. Either Chris or Tom. I'm sorry, but as a, as a fan of comic books, as a fan of comic book characters and superheroes and villains and what have you, no matter what color they are, I love to watch them. But it would be very nice to see somebody who looks like me represented on screen, and that's exactly what I got with T'Challa. And I want to see more of that. Not just from T'Challa, but from other characters as well. But we shouldn't have to substitute one just to replace another, because to me, that's bullshit. They should all be able to shine at the same time, just like Captain America just like Iron Man, just like Thor shined all at the same time. So what's wrong with T'Challa shining at the same time as Shuri, but shining at the same time as, let's say, Monica Rambeau, if she gets her own title, or if Blue Marvel gets his own title, or if Brother Voodoo gets his own title? What's so bad about all, all those black superheroes shining together at the same time? Huh? So I can go on for days about that. I really could. But I'm not going to because we have so much more to attack on the agenda today. Um, again, I just kind of want to air out the fact that we will be having <coughs> new 
Namor the Submariner in the in the film. And even though I'm happy for that, I am feeling a little bit bittersweet about that because of the fact that him and T'Challa in the comics have a huge history. And that's a rivalry that I've been wanting to see out play play out rather in the in the, in the live action films for a very long time. And that would have that would have been such a huge boost for the MCU, in my personal opinion. And to just to discontinue a character like T'Challa, who has so much lore and history with the Marvel, is a huge disservice. You know, we're talking about somebody who made their debut in the comics by taking out the Fantastic Four all at the same time. We're talking about somebody who was the leader of the Fantastic Four at one point in time. We're talking about somebody who was arguably at the pinnacle of the Civil War storyline within the comics. We're talking about somebody who went toe-to-toe with Doctor Doom, who's one of the biggest baddies in Marvel's arsenal. We're talking about somebody who wielded the Infinity fucking Gauntlet. And you're trying to tell me that you don't want to recast him? And you use the bullshit excuse of honoring Chadwick's legacy? Chadwick chose that role so that the role itself could have a legacy on screen. And to not recast T'Challa will be a huge disservice and a huge dishonor to Chadwick Boseman. He wanted to be the first to play that role so that if something were to happen, that there could be another person or many others who could fill in that role should his time pass. And with him having cancer at the time that uh, it was announced that he would become T'Challa, he knew that it was a possibility that he could meet his untimely he could meet his untimely death. So he had the foresight to know that, hey, at least if I get this ball rolling, someone else can continue the momentum for me if I'm dead and gone. And by not carrying out that wish, you are not honoring his legacy. But hey, do you agree? Do you disagree? You already know what to do. Let me know. Hit me up on all my socials and we could talk about it at a later date. Let's talk about Jada Pinkett Smith. All right. Now, I haven't talked about actually, I didn't even talk about Jada Smith last summer because I wasn't doing my show last summer. I did talk about her on Awkward and Black. Shout out to my boy, Justin. Shout out to my homegirl, Brittany. And we did talk about entanglement. Okay, so we talked about entanglement on their platform. Got it. All right. But I haven't talked about entanglement on my platform. I'm not going to talk about entanglement too heavily. I'll probably touch on it a bit. But there is a lot of entanglement happening within this latest story. Here's how. So this week uh, marked the birthday of Tupac Shakur. I think it was on this past Tuesday. And Jada went on social media and decided to read a poem that she kept uh, that belonged to Tupac, that Tupac wrote. And this poem was done sometime while he was shooting a movie, according to her. And she read the poem on social media and what have you. And here's the thing. Jada and Pac have stated that they were allegedly friends. But the way... Jada goes on about Tupac every year, whether it's his birthday, whether it's the anniversary of his death. She goes out of her way to describe how amazing of an individual Tupac was. And nobody is discounting the fact that Tupac was an amazing individual, both as a as a as a recording artist, as an actor or just as a general human being. But she goes about it in a very sultry way half the time. And she just generally goes out of her way to do it. And it leads many to believe and speculate that she once had a sexual relationship with Tupac. Because 25 years, is that, has it been 25 years? Yes, it has. Or no, it will be though. It's coming up. It's coming up. Uh, but nonetheless, let's just say 25 years just for sake of argument. But 25 years after the man's death and you're still speaking about him like a swoon high school girl who's got a crush on him, it's going to lead me to believe that you not only had a thing for him, but you had a fling with him as well. Multiple, if I may add. And we're not even that far removed from Entanglement Gate, which happened just last year, last summer, if I believe. And I can only imagine 
what Will is thinking right now. Because Will has stated before that he was jealous of Tupac because of the fact that they had a relationship that stemmed all the way from their childhood. You know, when they were in the art school together. And that they just kind of grew up together, you know, in, in, the, in the world of performing arts. And it's it's funny because you know Tupac has that stereotypical image of of uh, that the of a black man that the mainstream media likes to project. So somebody who's you know somebody who's you know well put together in terms of you know their muscular physique, somebody who exudes that the 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 hyper violent stereotype. Not to say that Tupac was violent, but Tupac you know, was about that action, let's be honest. Or he at least talked a good game. You know, he dressed like a thug. He had the bandana. He had the tattoos. He was tatted up. And funny enough, you know, his version of tatted up is very pedestrian in comparison to what tatted up is, is considered nowadays. But for all accounts, he was the bad boy. He was the bad boy. He was the thug. He was the gangster. And then you have Will Smith. Squeaky clean, the fresh prince. And the two just don't measure up when it comes to image because, you know, that image of the bad boy, no matter what medium, whether it's a hip hop, whether it's rock and roll, whatever the case may be, that bad boy is always most alluring. And sad to say, but when it comes to black culture, there's no exception to that rule. If anything, it is the rule that you have to go for the bad boy because that is the image of the black man that has been projected within the mainstream media for so long. And it's the image that a lot of black boys growing up try to emulate because they're told that that is what attracts them to women, black women specifically. And so it just leads you to believe that not only is Jada Smith, you know, no exception to that rule, but she's been having this thug love fetish for a very long time for as long as we've seen it, at least the last 30 years, you know, with her being on camera and stuff like that. I mean, think about it. The person that she had entanglement with last summer was August Alsina. And August Alsina is somebody who has that thug appeal. He's one of those R&B singers who talks about, yo, I kill for you, girl. Yo, I fuck up this dude. I fuck up that dude for you, girl. Yo, don't ever disrespect me. girl. He's one of those wannabe R&B thugs. And it's no surprise that she would have a thing for him. This was going to be my Wanks of the Week segment. I was thinking about making my Wanks of the Week segment because of just the amount of disrespect that Jada is showing towards Will. And, you know, even though there are some people who are kind of, you know, joking about it on social media and just pointing out how disrespectful Jada's being, and I agree with it 100%. I just don't like the fact that not enough women are speaking out against Jada Smith. Because if the roles were reversed, Will would be canceled. Will would be called scum of the earth. Will, Will would be called an ain't shit nigga. He would be called everything in between. But because it's Jada, because, you know, women are somewhat immune to cancel culture in comparison to men. Nobody's saying anything. Or at the very least, you know, some people might even justify Jada's behavior. And I don't think it's justifiable at all. Like, it's 25 years since the man has died. And every year, whether it's his birthday or if it's the anniversary of his death, you always have something to say about Tupac that we didn't already know. We know he's a great man. We knew he was a, uh, a great rapper. We knew that he was a very controversial figure who had a very strong personality. We know this, but you go out of your way to over-explain that and to say it in such a way that it just comes across as sexual. Like, if you had sex with a man already, just say it. Because now it just looks like you're, you're doing this to spite your husband. Like, it really looks like that. Like, I don't know what their situation is as far as if they have an open relationship or they openly, quote unquote, cheat on one another. I, I wouldn't call it cheating if it is open. But it seems like it, it must have been cheating because Will was that close to, to, to ending off the marriage. But by him doing that and getting a divorce, then he'd probably have to give up half of everything if they don't have a prenup. And Will Will's net worth in Hollywood is a lot larger than Jada's. Like that is a guarantee. I mean, I think the last big film that Jada was in was Girls Trip. Beyond that, 
I can't even think of anything major that she's been a part of within the last 10 years. And as for Will, Will is Mr. Blockbuster. Even some of the movies that he's come out with in the the last five years, for example, even though they haven't really been that good, the fact that his name is attached to it means that it's going to sell regardless. I mean, hell, he came out with Bad Boys 3 um, last year before the pandemic started. That did really well in the box office. He came out with this animated movie with him and Tom Holland. I can't remember the name of it, but that did pretty well as well. So, yeah, Will is, is, is instant box office. We know this, which means that his net worth is going to be much higher. Anything attached to the Will Smith brand, it's automatically going to spike up in, in, in sales and revenue. And Jada knows that. And Jada knows that his earning power eclipses hers tenfold. So it wouldn't make any sense for her to be going out and having all these affairs and stuff like that. Because he knows he can pull the plug on her just like that when it comes to their marriage. But if they don't have a prenup, then maybe that's what she wants him to do so that she can get half of everything that he owns. But either way, it just comes across as really disrespectful. Like if I had a girlfriend or a wife or whatever the case may be, and I kept on going on and on about my ex-girlfriend and all that stuff and all the things I did for her. And, you know, but then things uh, ended tragically and what have you. She's going to feel a way. My, my current wife or girlfriend is going to feel a way about that. I'm not saying you can't grieve, you know, your exes or, or anything like that. But even in this case, like she claims that they're, 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 they're not, they, they're, that they were never a thing. But it makes me believe that they were. So I don't know, man. Like this is this is like blatant disrespect in my in my eyes. This is blatant disrespect. I don't know why she keeps going on like this every year. It feels it feels like every year this happens. And it just looks even worse because of what happened last year with Entanglement Gate. Spilling all over tea, all over social media. Well, actually, to be fair, that was more August who spilled the tea. But nonetheless, all of that, all of that getting out. And then now you're talking about, you know, this poem from Tupac. It was such a beautiful poem and he shared it with me one time. So let me just share it with you guys because I think he would like that. He would be okay if I if I shared it w- with you all because you all were fans of him. Like, we don't need you to do that. You're not the spokesperson of Tupac. And it's not like she's coming on TV and she's being asked to divulge these, these details. She's going on social fucking media to do this. She's using her own platform. I mean, shit, she may as well have gone on Red Table Talk to do it. But she's just so outwardly with it. So, unless if Will Smith has a prenup, or doesn't have a prenup, rather, he's a divorcer. I am sorry. Like, your kids will get over it. Your kids are grown. They, they, like, they like to act wise beyond their years anyway, so they'll get over it. Willow's out here talking about, you know, um, uh, polygamy relationships, so I'm sure, she, I'm sure she's going to be well over it. Jaden Jaden is just doing Jaden, but I do respect his charity work. I won't clown him for that. Yeah, they, need to, they, they just need to break up. Will needs to break up with her. Will needs to break up with her. Even if he doesn't have a prenup, listen, if you got to cough up half, so be it, but you should not be in a relationship with a woman who openly disrespects you like that. For someone... And she knows that you have an insecurity towards Tupac. She knows this. And yet, she still does things like this to throw it in his face. This is where the disrespect lies. The fact that she knows that she that he feels a way about Tupac. And not that he would ever spit on his grave or dig up his grave and then stomp his skull in or whatever. But the fact that he know that she knows that he feels very, very insecure towards Tupac for for obvious reasons, and yet she still does this, but then has the audacity and the unmitigated gall to basically lie in his face. I'm saying it right now, lying to his face and say, oh, we were just friends. We were never a thing. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. Even if they weren't in a relationship, I'm, listen, they were fucking, all right? Tupac and Jada were fucking at one point, and I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if Jada was actually thinking about leaving Will around the time that Tupac was murdered. And yes, I know Tupac was dating one of um, one of Quincy Jones's daughters. I can't remember if it was Rashida or Kadada, but 
They would have had their their own entanglement before that even became a popular buzz term. But regardless, Jada Pinkett Smith is yet another. I'm going to say it, but she's another black woman. Not to say that all black women do this, but it seems more common. It seems more common, you know, that black women be doing this sometimes. Not all, but some enough to for it to be noticeable that they're all up into the image of the thug or the gangster, whatever the case may be. And it sounds like Jada is still trapped in that. Even as a 50-year-old woman, the fact that you that you had sex with August Alsina, somebody who projects that thug image, is proof of that. So if Will is not who you're looking for, if you're not into, you know, dad version of Will Smith, someone who wears polos and 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 khakis and whatever the case may be, somebody who's actually playing the role of a father in real life and a respectable person within society, then end the relationship already. Stop trying to make this guy look like a, a total doofus because that's what you're doing right now. Ah, I don't know. I, I'm over it at this point. I like I'm over it at this point, and I'm sure Will himself is over it at this point as well because now you're just making fun of the man. Now you're making him look like a claff. And I was going to make this my wankster of the week. I really was. I was so close to making my my wankster of the week, and it's it hasn't been. It's, it hasn't been uncommon for me to combine multiple segments, segments into one, but I just really want to wax poetic on this. But nonetheless, what do you all think? Is or has Jada been doing the most when it comes to her Tupac tributes? Do you think that they actually had a romantic relationship at one point in time? Whether they were actually a couple before, you know, the money and everything, whether they were you know, having sex with each other on the side, do you think that they were ever a thing? Or am I blowing this all out of proportion? Either way, let me know. I'm curious to know your comments. Hit me up on my socials at CC or DM underscore cool and let me know. All right, now let's get into trip talk. Three of the hottest topics that took over, that took place within pop culture. And let's get to the first topic. So first topic that we have on deck is Nipsey Hussle, Ashanti, and DJ Khaled were three of the celebrities, latest celebrities, I should say, who have been listed as having a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, I think this is big because for, well, for, I think it's big for each every each and every individual that's on this uh, Walk of Fame. So let me get started with Nipsey. So Nipsey, for me... Um, I was never a fan of his music, and that's not me saying I never liked his music or anything like that. It's just like I was literally not a fan because I barely ever listened to his music. I listened to a few features that he was on, but a few singles here and there that I may have skimmed through, but I can't say I was a real fan, but I always respected the person that he came across as as far as you know, trying to build infrastructure within lower-income communities and stuff like that to create jobs and opportunities for pe- for people. So I respected that that aspect about him. I guess I respected him as the businessman as opposed to the music artist, but I do appreciate the fact that he used his his clout as a recording artist to create these opportunities for himself and for other people as well. And you know, the outcry and the outpour that he got from when he from when he was tragically murdered about 2 years ago, uh, it let me know that he had a huge fan base and that fan base and that that love and that outcry for him poured into the mainstream as well like there were there were tv analysts you know on popular popular networks who were quoting him and referencing him and what have you uh nba stars you know were doing tributes to to nipsey hustle when 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 he was murdered i remember russell westbrook had a 2020 uh triple double game to commemorate you know, the, the crew that he, that uh, Nipsey used to roll with back in the day. So his influence was definitely outstretched beyond rap and beyond music. And so for, I guess, whichever committee to, you know, recognize this and to give him a star on the walk of fame, a posthumous star at that, I think that's huge. So, you know, proud of Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace, of course. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's only going to add to his legacy. 
Now, when it comes to Ashanti, I'm very proud of her as well because of the fact that Ashanti has been in the game for roughly 20 years now, and she's had a gang of hits, you know, earlier when her when her, when her career first got started, and even you know became more of an independent artist um, as the years went on, and is still culturally relevant, uh, especially if you're talking about some of the earliest hits from the early 2000s that are still classic hits to this day. Like her, like she's a major part of the reason as to why Murder Inc was one of the premier record labels within music, not just hip hop, but within music. Like it got to a point where there were pop stars who wanted to collaborate with Irv Gotti to get a hit. I mean, Jennifer Lopez had what, two or three hits with Irv Gotti and Ashanti wrote all of them. You know what I mean? So Ashanti definitely deserves her star. She deserves her flowers. Um, seeing her in the versus battle with Keisha Cole made me very happy because it took me down memory lane to when I was a huge fan of Ashanti in my middle school and high school years. So I'm glad to see that she's getting her getting her praise in that aspect. And then DJ Khaled, I mean, that's big on him as well because DJ Khaled, I've known about DJ Khaled since 2007 when he came out with um, uh, the We Taken Over record. It was Akon, it was Fat Joe, Lil Wayne, all those other people, right? Like he was becoming to be the big collaboration guy. And he's been doing that ever since. Like, he's still at it. I mean, you look at the the, the generation of artists who have who have come and gone um, during his reign or whatever, right? Like, I was just talking about We Taken Over. Akon was on that record. Um, he had records with Jeezy, Lil Wayne, Fat Joe, uh, a whole gang of people. And then you look at, as the generations have gone by, you know, that list has changed to people like Drake and Kendrick Lamar and Big Sean. And now he's, you know, doing records with the newer generation that, you know, consist of uh, Meg The Stallion, who we'll be talking about later on, uh, that consists of The Baby and Little Baby and a bunch of artists who are, who are on the come up right now. So he has remained culturally relevant for quite a long time. And, you know, his whether it's his mannerisms or his personality, the charisma that he exudes and what have you, that has gone beyond the realm of music as well. So I give him props for that. You know, some people may say, oh, he does the most or he's annoying, or whatever. But I find it very entertaining. You know, like he's always preaching messages of positivity. Like, you know, we have to uplift. <laughs> what did he say? He's like, we have to uplift the youth. Them. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's true. You got to uplift the children. You got to uplift the children. You got to be. You know, be the best version of yourself, and he preaches these messages. You know, um, he was always talking about the key to the the key to success. And yes, he sounds very extra and very flamboyant when he when he talks about these messages. But he's not wrong, so I can't really hate on a dude who's preaching messages of positivity. And it's not like he doesn't mean it either. I don't see this guy. I don't. He's never come across as somebody who wants to cause trouble. You know, so that's why I can't really call him a hypocrite for for saying these messages. And he's not really saying it for money. Like, you can say a lot of things for more money. I just think that he comes from that cult of personality. And yes, while it is very flamboyant, flamboyant the things that he says and how he says them, he's not exactly wrong. It's like, you should be the best version of yourself and what have you. Like, he's not going to be the person that I look to, first and foremost, for a motivational speech. But if I'm on a run and one of his bangers comes on, yeah, I'm putting in extra effort in my run to finish things off strong. So good for Khaled. I have no hatred towards the man. Um, he does deserve that star for sure. He's been a fixture within pop culture for so long. To me, in my opinion, he is he is what little John was in the mid-2000s during his heyday as the king of crunk and just a, a fixture within pop culture. When everyone was saying, what? Okay, and all that stuff like that is now DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled is now operating in that space. He's the guy screaming out, major key alert, get the bag, all that stuff. That That's him. That's, you know, you smart, you loyal. Like, that is DJ Khaled. Now, DJ Khaled is the little John of this generation. So if you love little John growing up, you can't really have a problem with DJ Khaled because they kind of operate in that same space. And they're also the, their respective kings of collaborations because little John was bringing artists together to, to rap over his hits. And Khaled is doing the same thing. So anyways, all three of those people have received stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Good for them. Well-deserved. What do you all think about it? You already know. Hit me up on all my socials. And let me know what you think about that. 
Now, let's go on to the next topic, uh, Meg The Stallion. So, Meg The Stallion, and this was actually a couple weeks ago, to, to be honest, but uh, she released a record called Fuck Shit. And she said in an interview that the single entitled Thought Shit is meant to take power back from the word thought. So, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, thought is actually an acronym, and the acronym stands for that hoe over there. So, thought is no different from hoe, slut, groupie, chickenhead, skeezer, whatever name that you want to use to you know defame women. Who use their who are pro, who are promiscuous and all that stuff. That's it. All comes within the same vein. Now, me personally, I think the word is dumb, and not just because of the fact that it demeans women who are comfortable with their sexuality, but I think it's dumb because of how that word is formed. Like, it's literally that hoe over there. I mean, if that's the case, then why don't you just in that context? Why don't you just use the word hoe? You know, shouldn't be using that word anyway, but I'm just saying within, if you're going to operate within that context, then why not just use the word hoe instead of saying that hoe over the, that hoe over there or just saying thoughts literally. Oh, she's such a thought. Like I'm squeezing my face right now in case you don't know, because it just sounds stupid. It just sounds really stupid. Like, look at that. Look at that thought. Like, why that word? Anyways, so. She says she wants to take power away from that word and bring it back to women who uh, want to feel secure with their sexuality. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Like, no woman should feel, should feel like she's less than because she has a healthy sexual appetite. If she's comfortable with her sexuality and she's comfortable with how many partners that she has at, at any point in current time, then that's her business. As long as she's being responsible... You know, during during those actions, then why then why not? If that's how she feels comfortable about her sexuality, that's how she feels uh, when it comes to empowering herself. If that's how she feels, let her do that. So I'm not mad at that. Again, as long as you're being responsible, every everyone is you know wrapping up or taking a pill, whatever the case may be, cool. And as long as nobody's robbing each other, like you know, city girls out here talking about you know sexy dudes and robbing them after, then cool. As long as we're not doing that, we're good. You know. And that kind of goes back into, you know, the double standards within society. And I am somebody who has been out outwardly say um, out, outwardly spoken in regards to not being a fan of of uh, double standards, because I feel like double standards and gender rules and respectability politics, they all hold people back from their true potential, male or female. And I feel like the whole whole thing is a huge double standard against women because, you know, a man can do the exact same thing, but then he'll be lauded and respected for it because that's what guys are just supposed to do. But no one ever calls a guy a hoe for doing the exact same thing that a woman does when it comes to sexual promiscuity. I mean, there are terms like man whore and, and hoe ass nigga and stuff like that. It's just like. Why are we putting man beside the word? No, like call it for what it is. Like if you're going to call a woman a hoe for having multiple partners, then call the man a hoe for having multiple partners as well. It's simple as that. Don't call him a man hoe. Oh, you're a man whore. You're such a man. No, no, don't call him a man whore. The gender has nothing to do with it. Just call him a whore. <laughs> like if we're really going to play by those rules and operate under that logic, then call it for what it is. Don't add, you know, um, a hyphenated word next to it just to justify it to a certain extent. Nah, like, dude is a whore. He's just as much as a whore as that woman if you're going to be operating under that logic. But again, I'm saying that those words shouldn't be used, you know, by people to de- de- demean them for their, for their, you know, uh, for their level of comfort when it comes to their sexuality, you know. But that's not the world we live in, right? Like, I'm saying that they, that they shouldn't be using these words, but again, that's not the world we live in. So... If Meg Thee Stallion feels as though that she's going to be taking power away from the word uh, in her in her own unique way, then so be it. You know, it's not the first time that we've heard female rappers say that they want to take power away from a certain word. Um, I think Lil Kim said the same thing about the word "ho." Um, what's her name? Queen Latifah said the same thing about about the word "bitch," and many rappers, many female rappers, have said the same thing about the word "bitch" as well. So it is what it is. And this is just like another generation and another term being used and another and the same battle being fought. So that's the way I, I, I interpret it as. But overall, I'm not mad at what about what Meg wants to do with regards to that to that record. I haven't listened to the record, so I'm not about to judge it. But it is what it is. Anyways, what do you guys think? Is she going about it the right way? You already know what to do. 
Hit me up on, on my socials and let me know what you think. Now, let's talk about Kim Kardashian. That's something I actually haven't done in a while. Um, so Kim Kardashian, apparently they were doing a, I think it was a reunion special of the Keep It Up With The Kardashians TV series, which ended its 20 season run. And I guess they were doing a round table of some sort. And she was asked about the demise of the relationship between her and Kanye West and why it ended. And she said that it led to a difference of opinions. And that is why the relationship ended. So it's a very vague way of trying to explain why the relationship ended or how it ended. She didn't really answer anything in, in that regard is more is left more to interpretation as far as what happened or what she means by that and then this i guess this will be the part where everyone starts dissecting and looking into clues and be like oh what does she mean by that well maybe this is what she meant or maybe she's pointing at pointing out to this moment in time right here when you know this moment went viral or whatever the case may be and, you know, it's typical for people to do that because when you have a high-profile celebrity like Kim Kardashian who was married to another high-profile celebrity like Kanye West, then people are going to start talking, especially if there are kids involved. So I'm not surprised, you know, that this has people talking right now, especially when we're talking about Kim Kardashian. Um, but there could be a whole bunch of reasons as to why this relationship did not survive. And, you know, with regards to that, there is an exact quote uh, that came from that excerpt um, from from that reunion special. This is what she said, apparently. And I quote, I honestly don't think I would even say it here on TV, but it was not like one specific thing that happened on either part. I think it was just a general difference of opinions on a few things that led to this decision. And in no way would I want someone to think I didn't give it my all or I didn't try. So there's a lot to interpret with with that line right there. So one thing I know about the Kardashian brand over the years, when it comes to the television show, when it comes to the men that they date, they always, from what from what I've gathered, especially when it comes to Kim, they always like to control the narrative, and they always like to have to keep things check in the ways that they see fit. This is what I've noticed about the Kardashian clan. For a long time. And Kanye is somebody who is not good at following orders or following typical protocol. He is somebody who always wants to go against the grain. He is somebody who would probably consider himself a maverick of sorts. And I think that is no exception to this relationship because there are a lot of things that Kanye has done throughout, I would say, like the last three or four years. That has caught a lot of people's attention and he's caught a lot of backlash for it. So whether it's him claiming that Harriet Tubman did not, in fact, free the slaves, whether it was him stating that slavery was a choice, whether it was him gaining a ton of weight, whether it was him um, ending his relationship with Jay-Z as far as like business and mentor and all that stuff. There was a lot of things that Kanye has done. I mean, even him uh, running for president, maybe that's something that Kim didn't want. Or even him having, you know, trying to have some sort of parental relationship with Donald Trump. There was a lot of things that raised the ire of many people when it came to Kanye West. And maybe Kim, Kim just had enough of it. Maybe it was him not wanting to take his meds anymore. And that made him a bit more unhinged and Kim couldn't handle it. And these aren't things that I'm pointing out to, to judge Kim or anything like that. This is just a general observation of what has happened over the last three or four years, give or take, especially because I think a lot of those moments are ones that were very, very volatile, very toxic, if you will. And maybe that's what led to the demise of the relationship. And I find that a bit surprising because Kim and the entire Jenner Kardashian clan, they thrive off of controversy. So I just found it very ironic that the controversy that Kanye was creating for himself and evidently enough for the family and the Kardashian brand was beginning to be too much for Kim at that point. Now, maybe it's because of the fact that now they have kids in the equation. Because in prior years, had that not been the case, I don't know 
if Kim would have been like, oh, it's fine. We're good. I don't know about that because there's a lot of things that Kanye has done and, did, has done and said over the years that, Kanye, that Kim apparently didn't really have any comments on or didn't really have a reaction to. Maybe it's the alleged rumors that that, you know, Drake was sleeping with Kim and maybe that's what led to the end of the relationship. Again, alleged rumors. We don't know this for fact, but Drake has alluded to it so many times in his records, you know, through subliminals that you can't help but believe it at this point or that there maybe spoke to that fire. But regardless, that's how or not how, but, you know, the relationship coming apart because there are things that they didn't agree on is her statement that she's giving. And we're just going to have to take it as such. If you want to put together the tea leaves and, and what have you, you can definitely do that. But that is a statement that I guess everyone is going to go with going forward, and we'll see how that pans out. But, again, what do you guys think about that? Is there a point to what Kim is saying? Is it all factual? Are there things that she's hiding? Do you think that she should reveal all those details? Either way, let me know what you think. I'm curious to know. And it's that time where we have reached the end of today's episode. But before we do, you already know how we get to when it comes to the end. And it goes a little something like this. Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. He said you were Wankster and you need to stop running. And this week's wankster goes to none other than Kodak Black. <clears throat> the reason why Kodak is getting the wankster of the week, outside of being a living wankster every single day of his life, is because of the fact that he wished Donald Trump a happy birthday uh, earlier this week. And he did so through Instagram and had a picture of a baseball cap that said happy birthday Donald Trump on it. Now, we all know that Donald Trump is the scum of the earth. Uh, he is despicable in every single way. He is a human rights violator and a very outwardly known racist. And yet Kodak Black is wishing him a happy birthday. Now, maybe this comes from the fact that Kodak Black was incarcerated and Donald Trump pardoned him and he feels indebted to him. But main reason why I'm giving him the wanks of the week, you know, when it comes to wishing him a happy birthday is because he's doing it for attention. And in this era of social media and receiving likes and retweets and, and subscribers and what have you, he is doing the most to get attention. And he knows that the hip hop community for the most part is not a fan of Donald Trump and that black people for the most part are not a fan of Donald Trump and the rest of the world for the most part, is not a fan of Donald Trump. And Kodak is at this point in his career where he is now being known more for his controversies over his music. He's now joined the likes of Azealia Banks, uh, Lizzo, and a few others to say the least. And Kodak Black, he's just... He, he, he's just ugly, okay? Not just in personality, but he physically looks ugly. This guy looks like Golem from Lord of the, Wing, Lord of the Rings, crossed up with uh, Chris Tucker's character from The Fifth Element. He's just an ugly-ass-looking dude. Like, what woman, what sober, sound of mind and body and spirit woman would ever want to consent to procreate with this nasty-looking motherfucker? Dude is just ugly, all right? He looks like Birdman as a child. Better yet, he looks like Birdman if you put on that child filter from Snapchat. That's what this dude looks like. Nasty looking motherfucker. And on top of that, he's a piece of shit dirtbag. So that's why I'm giving him the wanks of the week. Because he's well deserving of it. And on that note, we're going to end today's episode. I want to thank y'all for tuning in as you normally do. Greatly appreciated. The summer is coming, and I know I've been doing a lot of solo episodes for the last couple of months now, but, you know, with the summer coming, what have you, I feel like it's time to have some guests. You know, it's been a minute since I've had some guests on the show, so throughout the summer months, there will be some guests. It may not be every week, 
but I'm definitely going to have some guests lined up for Cool Radio. So I will keep you guys informed and updated. It's going to change the the, the flow and the and the uh, and the pace of the show as well. So I just want to keep you guys more engaged and informed and entertained and 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 educated as well. So we're definitely going to have some more guests. So I'll keep you guys updated on that as the uh, days, weeks, and months come as well. But nonetheless, um, you can find everything Cool Radio on all of our socials, uh, and that is with the handle at Cool Radio CC. We're on SoundCloud, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play Music, and then as far as social media goes, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're on Instagram as well. So once again, I want to thank y'all for tuning in like you normally do, and as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.